ago, my neighbors and I attended the annual school fundraiser called the Bulldog Bash. Now, the sole purpose of this event is, of course, to raise money for our local school district, so we definitely wanted to do what we could to support our community. So 40 of my neighbors, yes, grown men and women, thought it would be really fun if we rode to the event together. The only way for us to do that was to, you guessed it, rent a school bus. So what's the last time you've been on a bus? Like, it's been a minute for me with a school bus. But sure enough, we rented a school bus, and this school bus came into our neighborhood and stopped at all of our respective bus stops. The kids were watching from the porch and laughing and waving. They're like, Mom and Dad are getting on a bus. They thought it was hilarious. Of course, it was raining just to add bus stop fun to it. We hate the rain. It was a really fun time. But that night, we got on the bus. We headed over to the Bulldog Bash. And while there, we all participated in a silent auction. If you're not familiar with this, it's where people take donated items, and they, they allow you to bid on these through an app. So no one knows who's bidding for what. It's all silent, if you will. And so throughout the night, you can bid on things like uh, wine and cheese baskets, or like Illini football day packages, or my least favorite, the kids' craft basket. I wasn't going anywhere near that thing. Um, but you can bid on all these items to raise money for the school district. So we're all bidding on things throughout the night, but I look over at my one friend, and I see he's like going to town. He's bidding on everything. I'm like, this is real money. Like, you're, you know, you're like, you're gonna have to pay for these if you win. What he didn't know that I knew was that the bidding actually ended at nine o'clock, not at the end of the night when he thought the bidding ended. And right before nine, he's like, bid, 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 bid. I'm like, oh. 901 comes, sheer horror crosses his face when he realizes he's won. Not, not one item, not two items. My friend was walking out of there with four gift baskets. Now, his wife was more gracious than I would be. She just kind of laughed, and she knew it was for a good cause. Uh, but I, I was, like, mortified. They had invested a small fortune this night at the Bulldog Bash, which is for the kids, right? It's good. But she, she, she was fine until she realized that one of the items she won was, wait for it, the Coors Light package, okay. <laughs> now, the Coors Light package comes with your very own Man Cave special, the Coors Light light up sign, okay. <laughs> yeah, she was not thrilled about this little baby coming home to their garage. What is worse though than winning the Coors Light light up sign? The Coors Light light up sign that came with no power cord. No power cord, there's no way to actually light up this sign. It can never in fact be lit. And I don't know if there's anything worse than something not connected to the source of power, right? Power, power cords are important, aren't they important, right? Power takes ordinary everyday items like the Coors Light sign and they make them extraordinary. If only that sign could be lit up in a garage for all to see, but now it'll be summoned to the basement where it should be in storage, okay. <laughs> but power cords are really, really important. Power changes the environment, right? Power helps things have an impact, and it really does change things. Without power, there's very little impact. Without power, the Coors Light sign is pretty dull. Without power, our cell phones are completely useless. Power and connection to a power source helps ordinary things become extraordinary. And we know that power changes things. But here's the good news. Power doesn't just change Coors Light, Light Up Science, right? Power also changes us. And when we say yes to Jesus, when we give our lives to be in intimate partnership with him, our lives are radically changed because we are connected to the source of power. And we become powerful people as Holy Spirit moves into our lives and takes up residence. 
We become fully alive. We become charged up, ready to live out our purpose and our destiny so that we can make an impact on the world. And the whole thrust of this brand new series that we're talking about is called Impact, the Power of Partnership. So we're gonna learn in the coming weeks what it means to fully partner with God in every area of our lives. Um, but we're gonna talk about when we are connected to the source of power, how that intimate friendship, that intimate partnership can really produce an impact in, in our entire lives. We know that living in intimate partnership with God every single day can sometimes seem a little mundane. Maybe it feels a little ordinary, right? These everyday, we talk a lot about power, right? Power encounters, power healing, power. What if biggest impact comes through the ways we least expect it? What if power might look a little different in our lives? Today, we're gonna talk about a powerful thing that I think many of us don't think about that often, and it's the power of place. The power of place. Have you ever wondered if God put you in a specific place for a purpose? Have you ever wondered if the place that he put you in was so that you could make an impact? Well, we're gonna discuss this and so many other things as we jump into the word, but will you pray with me this morning and then we'll dig in. Holy Spirit, we love you and we are so grateful that we get to have partnership with you. We welcome you to be our teacher this morning. Father, you are the author of every good thing and we thank you, God, that you love to do life with us. And so we welcome you now to teach us how to really plant in place and we thank you for the gift that places in each of our lives. We love you, Jesus, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Well, by the time I was 21, I had lived in 21 places. By the time I was 21, I lived in 21 places. So uh, apartments, trailers, single-family homes, dorm rooms, you name it, I probably lived there. So by the age of 21, I had had 21 places that I had called home. And because of that, there's actually not one place I look back over my life and I go, that was home. There's not one, because there was just so many. I, I lacked a place that was like the one place. And now listen, my, my, a few years ago, my in-laws decided they were gonna sell my husband's childhood home. And guess who was super worked up about it? Me, not him. I was like, babe, aren't you sad? Aren't you like, this is, this is terrible. They're selling your childhood home. It's like the one place you made all your memories. He's like, it's really fine. I was like, okay. But I was upset because I lacked home. I lacked permanence. I lacked stability in my own life. And I think that ultimately all of us really do long for the stability of place, right? We all long for a place to belong, a place to call home, this place of permanence where we are known and loved and celebrated for the long haul. But we are living in one of the most transient times in history. We are. You know, we're once people planted in the same place with the same people, the same spouse, with the same kids, neighbors, family, church family, for the lifetime. It just doesn't look that way anymore today, right? Remote work has made it possible for us to live pretty much anywhere in the world. And with that, we don't have to be tied down to a place. And if you're wired like me, you kind of know that feeling. It, it, it does feel like you're tied down. Like, why do I feel a little trapped? Now, listen, not everybody feels this way. My husband is an anchor and he loves stability. He hates change. But for the rest of us who like want to see the world and we can't imagine that we would stay in the same place forever, there's an opportunity today from Holy Spirit to recognize the power that comes when you plant in place. Why does permanence somehow feel like we're being held back? 
Why does permanence, you know, feel like pain rather than opportunity? What is so alluring about moving from place to place to place to place? Are we running towards the possibility of something like more money or new adventures? Or perhaps are we running away from something? Maybe the feeling of feeling insignificant. Maybe uh, having to deal with really hard relationships that we just don't want to do the work in, so bam, we out. What is it that makes us want to move on to the next place? And why do we struggle to be planted in one place for the long haul? What has kept us from receiving this God-given gift of place? And what impact can we have on our world as we choose to receive it? Well, I read this great book of the same title called The Power of Place by Daniel Grothy, and I'm going to share some of his insights today because it's really powerful. So I encourage you to read it if you're interested. But another great book I want you to read is this. This is your Bible, and it has really, really good stuff. And we read this every single day because it is alive and active and will change your life, okay? The Bible, we love it. All right, (laughs) I'm just giving you a hard time, but I'm glad you're awake. All right, so I've been wrestling with this idea, the power of place, and I've really been wondering what kind of impact can we have if we choose to receive the place God has planted us? Like, what is the deeper purpose of place? And whenever I have questions about how things ought to be, like whenever I'm like, God, what was your original design? What was your original intention with this? I love to go back in scripture to the very beginning and get a picture of what God had planned from the beginning. And this much I know is true. God has always planned to be in partnership with his people. That was the design from the very, very beginning. And he has designed us to impact the place where we have been put. He's designed us for impact. That's the way we've been wired. And Genesis chapter one, you know, it recounts the way that God created the world. He creates the heavens and the earth and the land and the sky, every kind of living creature, right? Birds and fish and all the scurrying ones, which are my least favorite, like not a fan, okay? But he creates all the things and he, he looks at all this stuff and then they, which Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? Three gods, one person. They look at everything they've made and you know what they say? Man, this is good man, this is good. Look at this world we made. This is really good. So let's pick up on the text in Genesis chapter two, verse four. This is the account of the creation of the heavens and the earth. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth. For the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed, everyone say placed, placed the man he had made. So the God, God created the earth, he created man, he breathes his breath of life into him, and then he places him in the garden. It's interesting to me that he doesn't say, hey, kiddo, I made this whole big world, like lots of things to see, have at it, go see it. He doesn't let him roam the earth. He places him in the Garden of Eden for a purpose. So he places them in the, in the garden, and then he gives him really meaningful work to do. Now listen, I love this part. People love to be like, oh, work, that's part of the fall. Listen, there are some things that got harder after the fall. That is true. However, Jesus redeemed it, and working itself is not a problem. Working is part of our great design. Do you know that God loves us so much he gave us meaningful work to do? He gave us meaningful work that can have an impact in the place where he has planted us. Work is not a problem. Work is a gift to mankind. Why do we try to push it away? Work is a gift. 
You know, he wasn't working in the garden because he needed to do something or he needed to earn something. He wasn't like working for his keep. He had, it was a place of abundance. He had all the food he needed, everything he needed. And yet God still said, I wanna give you purpose in this place. And so we partnered with him and he started cultivating the soil and he started naming the animals. He had meaningful work to do in the place where he was planted and he made an impact in the garden. And what we see in scriptures is that the place in which we are planted is God's first gift to mankind. He has given us a place to live. He's given us a home, a place to belong. And with the same intentionality that God created Adam, and later Eve, if you keep reading, with the same intentionality that he created them and placed them in the garden, he has created you and created me and placed us in a place for a purpose. Where we are planted has a purpose. Where he has put us really matters. And if we wanna have an impact in the world, we better start receiving this gift of place. I wanna look more specifically um, today. Well, first, let me say this. Okay, we're gonna talk about the power of place and being rooted in one place for the long haul. Like, truly, I know it's kind of like a gasp, what? Like, we can live anywhere, why would we move? Or why would we, why would we stay in the same place? Kirsten Warden, youth pastor, she said, sometimes your greatest move is your ability to stay. Your greatest move is your ability to stay. What would it look like to plant for the long haul? And I know some of you here today, you're like, this message isn't for me. I'm here for grad school. I'm here two years and I'm out. Listen, which I know some of you feel it. I feel it. Okay, question for you. (laughs) What would it look like if you planted? What would it look like if you gave your life to one place for the long haul? Because there's so much power in the place God has planted us. And yet we just move from place to place to place. Why do we do that? Is it wanderlust? Is it like maybe there's great adventure? Is it because we think the grass is gonna be greener over here? It's not, right? Over there is the same problems with a different landscape. That's the truth. Same problems. You know why? Who lives over there? People. People. They're everywhere. You can't escape them. What would it look like to be planted? Again, I'm not, some jobs are transient. Sometimes you gotta move, but man, the opportunity if you choose to stay. Such an opportunity. I wanna look specifically at three gifts that are available to us if we stay. Three gifts that are available if we plant, and they're the gifts of security, identity, and friendship. So this first one is security. Everyone say security. If you're listening online, you can just drop that right in the chat. Let us know you're there. Listen, Adam and Eve were placed in a specific place in the Garden of Eden with a purpose, right? Not told to roam the land. And I I think, God, you've created this beautiful world. Like, there's no pollution. It's untouched. They could go anywhere. And yet God says, I want you to stay here in a specific place. And then they were given boundaries, right? The garden was actually the boundary that they had been placed in. You know that boundaries are really good, They aren't, my three kids would disagree with this statement, but (laughs) boundaries are important. They're really good. They create a sense of security. Think about your neighborhood. You know, what's a sidewalk? It's it's a boundary, right? Sidewalks keep you off your neighbor's lawn, which is great. And they keep you out of the street, which is also great. It's not meant to like limit us or hold us down or steal our joy, right? Sidewalks are there for everyone's benefit. They're a really good boundary. For me, I I lacked security in my life growing up because there was no stability of place, right? About every year I'm thinking, gosh, are we gonna have to move again? We're gonna have to do this again. We gotta find a new place to live, a new home. And when you do that, you can't let your roots go down deep somewhere. And it created a lot of unrest in my life. I lacked security. 
I really did. And I, I do know that some people are wired to like change. Okay, if I'm being honest, look, I, 21 houses in, or places in 21 years, I really now, I just thought moving was what we did every couple years. So when I got married to someone who does not like change and does not, we are rooted, baby. We are not going anywhere. It's very hard for him. I was like, wait, what? We can't just change? So I like adventure. I like new. I'm going to let you in on one of my tricks. About every year, because we can't just up and move all the time, even though it would be fun. About every year, I go through my house and I rearrange all the furniture. And it's really true. I'm like, oh, new house, look, I did it. <laughs> so it's kind of our little compromise in marriage that keeps Ben from losing his mind. And me, I get to change some things and really enjoy it. So just a little trick if you need it. Um, but really, the, the, the power of security and the, the power of staying in your place will bring security in your life. It will create stability. So that's the first gift. The second gift when it comes to the power of your place is identity. So everyone say identity. Right? Our place nourishes our identity. The place that we live in really impacts who we are. So a lot of us in here, we would consider ourselves Midwesterners, right? We're from the Midwest. You know what that means? We are a certain type of breed. We are. Like, you don't know until you go somewhere else and you're like, oh, not everyone is like this. I just learned that this phrase was actually a Midwest phrase. You can answer it. You know, you're standing at the bus stop. It's freezing. And we all say, wouldn't be so cold if it weren't for the... Wind, the wind, this is a med, I did not know this was a Midwest thing, it is. That's the wind, and you know when we're walking and someone's coming down the hall and you, you get, oh, we make up words, oh is not a word, like, oh, excuse me, oh, okay, we put ranch on everything, we love Monocle's dressing, we are Midwest, we are, and we love it. Our place nourishes our identity. We are who we are. We are impacted by the place in which we are raised. And do you know that here, if you consider yourself a Jesus follower and you are in the family of God, if you've been placed in the, in the family of God, and really if you've been placed in this vineyard family, I hope it has impacted your identity. I hope you know that you are a righteous son and a righteous daughter. I hope you know that there's nothing you can do that's gonna make God love you any more. And there's nothing you can do that's gonna make him love you any less. I hope that by being part of this family, you have begun to understand the grace of the gospel, that he loves you because he loves you because he loves you. I hope your place has impacted your identity because it's true in the supernatural and it's also true in the natural. Oh, let's keep moving. <laughs> the third gift to us when we choose to plant in the place that we've been called is the impact of friendship. Everyone say friendship. Okay, so we moved into our neighborhood about nine years ago and my husband and I, we had two little kids at the time, and we moved into this neighborhood with a clear purpose. Our purpose was we wanted to build the church. We wanted to build the church. That was our goal. And every good church planning class, boot camp, they will all tell you the way you build the church, you love your community, you serve, 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 and you get to know your neighbors, and you build friendship with neighbors. They'll all tell you that. So I did all those things, right? We did the, the, the uh, block parties and we did the cookouts, so many play dates, and I'm not even made for play dates, but I did them all, right? I did all the things I was supposed to do, but let me tell you this, I was totally wrong. I was totally wrong, and it's not even what I was doing, because I think like I wanted to do the right thing, I wanted to please God, I wanted to help him build his church, but Matthew 16, 18 makes it very clear that Jesus builds his church, not Leah. I was working and working and working and my motives were totally wrong. God will build his church. Do you know what I get to do? I get to live in partnership 
with the Father, and I get to be a loving friend to every person I encounter. That's my goal. That's my heart. And I'm so glad God changed my heart on this, right? It's the Proverbs 17, 17, that a friend loves at all times. Nowhere more is this necessary than in your neighborhood, in your apartment complex. You know how hard it is to love all the time when they got the bass up and they're Can you love at all times, even when you want to sleep, okay? A friend loves at all times. And when we are in partnership with Holy Spirit, we get to release that love to every person we come in contact, specifically in the place where we've been planted. And let me tell you, I am so glad that God changed my heart on this because he changed my whole life. I love my neighborhood. I love them. These are some of the best friends I have in the world. And we are literally doing life together, life on life. There's like six or seven families specifically. We are raising our babies together. And that comes with so much joy. And that comes with so much kid drama, right? Oh, so much drama. I'm like, if I have one more girl fight of like, she said that, that, I can't do it. Okay. But I love them. These are friends that I love. And I want to grow in love for them, even in the midst of kid drama. I love where God has planted me, and I love that he's changed my heart. Do you know what he did for me? He actually gave me eyes to see what I could not see. He gave me eyes to see. So that means he, he's showing me that these men and women are brilliant and strong and powerful. And he shows me that this one over here is filled with compassion. And this one over here is the best includer on the planet, right? And this one serves so well. She loves my kids, sometimes, I think, more than me. Like, she's really amazing. I always say, like, she could be your mom. She's really great. <laughs> she, and she is really great. Like, really, she's better, she's better than me. <laughs> These are people that I have built a life with, and I could not be more pleased. John 1.14 says it this way. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. The word, when you say capitalized like that, that's Jesus. So this is Jesus, the word, which we see that in verse one. Jesus is the word, and the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Do you know what that means? When Jesus lives in me, and I move into my neighborhood, Jesus has moved into my neighborhood. And the presence of Jesus will impact your neighborhood. You can't be unchanged in the presence of Jesus. He changes absolutely everything. And I want to tell you what this has looked like in my neighborhood for these last nine years of loving people. Can I tell you this? Not one person, to my knowledge, not one person has given their life to Jesus because of me. Really, truly, not one. I'm the worst evangelist on the planet, I think. But let me tell you this. I have partnered with Holy Spirit every day, and I have loved really, really well. I have been a friend to these neighbors and not only has it changed the neighborhood, because they're all literally best friends, travel together, do life together every single day, but this has actually changed me. Recip like friendship has it's two recipients. It goes both ways. You can't be a friend without receiving the benefits of friendship. I remember when I moved into the neighborhood and there was a family that had been there. They're like the OG. Like they've been there since the very beginning of the neighborhood. And so they kind of watched everyone move in over time. But when we moved in, this woman, and she had young kids at the time, she was walking through breast cancer, super, super hard. So in partnership with Holy Spirit, he said, why don't you go pray for her? Why don't you take her a meal? Okay, great idea. Friend loves at all times. And so I did that. Uh, I went over. She was super receptive. I prayed over her. She cried. She's like, thank you so much. And thank you for the meal. And it was, it was great. And thankfully, she's been cancer-free for many years now. God totally healed her. Yeah, it's incredible. 
But she kind of watched people move into the neighborhood year after year, and we were doing a hangout one night because we just like each other. We just hang out a lot. And I'll never forget this comment she made. She said, Leah, when you moved into the neighborhood, everything changed. I was like, wait, what? Like, again, worst evangelist on the planet. What do you mean? She's like, nobody knew each other. And you were like this great gatherer, this great inviter. We just hosted every kind of, you know, potluck, picnic, hangout, watch the kids play. We just created a place for friendship to happen, and it changed their lives. And since then, you guys, the amount of hangouts we've had, it's innumerable, right? There's fantasy football drafts and pickup games and, you know, poolside chats and all the things. That's what friendships are made of, the, the dreams that we have for being a friend. I get to live that out now simply because I have chosen to love at all times. I've loved the place where he has planted me. And in partnership with him, I get to do so many things. I, I get to loan the cup of sugar when, when you need to do that, right? That's a neighborly thing. I also get to lay hands on the mom who's going to the hospital to have the baby. And then I get to bring her a meal when she gets home. And I get to hug the friend who's walking through hard marriage stuff. And I get to say, let me take your kids for a couple hours, right? Life on life, the highs and the lows are the opportunity we have to give to the place in which we plant. And friendship is such a beautiful gift. I can't help but think about John 1:14 that these are the kinds of things that happen when Jesus moves into the neighborhood. These are the kinds of things that happen when we begin to understand the power of place. And I wanna share with you a quick excerpt from this book, The Power of Place. Um, in, the in the book, he's talking about his friend. He said, my friend took a job with an NGO in Africa, and while he was there, he was doing work that would sustainably supply clean water for a small tribe that had been suffering from waterborne illnesses. And the work was long, and it required him to actually be there for six months. And so he built relationships with the women in the tribe and the men in the tribe. He was there a very long time, but he had a good friendship with uh, the tribal chief in particular. And one day, the tribal chief says to him, he says, hey, tell me about the American man. And the friend explained that, oh, the American man, he works a lot. Now, these African men were living in primitive conditions, so they were used to a hard day's work, but they were shocked to hear that the American man has to leave his home, his closest people, his immediate geographical space to do his work. And the friend says, yeah, 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 the American man, he's away from home sometimes up to half a day, maybe 12 hours. And when you factor in sleep, that's like, oh, you know, like six to eight hours. He's only really awake with his little tribe for maybe four to six hours a day. And when he's in the office, he's isolated, working behind a computer screen all alone. And the longer the friend's like telling the story, he's like, boy, this doesn't sound so good, right? He's digging a little hole. He says, but the one saving grace is that the American man makes a lot of money and without hesitation, the African chief says, so the American man is lonely. He's lonely. I think one of the greatest gifts that we can give to our neighbors, to the people in the place where we are planted, is the gift of friendship. They're lonely. I look back in Genesis chapter two, and you see God saying, everything is good, right? I created the, the earth good, the water's good, animals good, man good. You know the first thing that was not good? Found in verse 18. The Lord said, it's not good for the man to be alone. This is actually the first problem we see in the scriptures. The first problem we see is loneliness. Man needs a person. Man needs a companion. Man needs a friend. We're not supposed to walk this life alone. We're supposed to do it with people. 
It's interesting to me when people say, well, God is all I need. I'm like, no, he ain't. He's right here in the scripture. Like, that's not all you need. We need people too. And I want to be clear, this is not talking about getting married, right? Getting hitched is not the, the, the answer to loneliness. Do you know what it is? Friendship. Friendship is the answer to loneliness, right? Adam and Eve, they were husband and wife, but they were friends first. They knew each other. They walked the earth with each other. They planted together. They, they enjoyed the garden together. Everybody needs people. We were made to do life together. One of the greatest gifts that we can give people in the place we've been planted is the gift of friendships. And your place will be absolutely transformed by it. I'm telling you, you guys, my neighbors, they are my closest friends. I, I love it. And I literally just get to open the door and see them. They're just all right there. We get to hang out on the weekends and sometimes during the week. And we get to make fun of each other when we do dumb things. Look, when you're planted in a place for a long time, you're going to see a lot of dumb stuff. I didn't tell the story to first service, but I'm just feeling it. So I'm going to tell you now. Uh, we got one of those mowers that you, um, what it, it's like at zero turn. Is that what it's called? Do you know what I'm talking about? Were you... You mow like this, and it's like a big mower. Okay, my 12-year-old can do it. I, in fact, cannot, and I sat on, I can drive. Like, I'm a good driver, but I got on this mower, and all my neighbors watch as I tried to get this thing to move, and I literally jerked me across the front lawn for like 15 minutes. They all laughed, they made fun of me, it's beautiful. Can I go back? I cannot. It's already happened, and now I have to deal with the pain of embarrassment. But I am planted where I am, and I am willing to lean in, embarrassment and all, because, man, I love these people. I love them. And friendship is there for the highs and for the lows. It is a place where we can be totally transformed. But friendship actually takes a lot of intentionality, right? What do they say that adult friendship is like saying, hey, we should hang out. Hey, we should hang out. And you do it until you die, and then you never really do it. If you want to be a friend, you have to be intentional. The one neighbor, the family that we're closest with, they used to live right next door, and then last year they moved down like two blocks, which is devastating, but it's fine. Um, they're our closest friends. And she said to me a few months ago, she's like, I feel like the busyness coming. I feel the kids are doing all the things. How are we going to make time for each other? I'm like, you're right. So every month we go back and forth between each other's houses, call it fun Fridays, and we make dinner and we let the kids hang out and we intentionally invest in each other because I love them, because these are my friends. And you know, I don't love people because I think someday they're going to come to my church. I don't love people because I even think someday they might get saved, depending on where they are with Jesus. I don't love them like that. I love them because I love them. Because God has given me eyes to see them. He loves them, so I get to love them. It is possible that one of the least glamorous things we can do is plant in one place with the same people for a lifetime. It's not flashy. It's not showy. It's not like, look at all this great stuff. It's just life. But it is while not glamorous, it is one of the most powerful things we can do. Why? Because your greatest place of impact will be in the place in which you plant. Your greatest place of impact will be in the place in which you plant. Mother Teresa said this way, this way you want to go change the world? What'd she say? You go home and you love your family. You want to change the world? You go home and love your family. I would add in this little phrase from Jesus, because he's so brilliant, Mark 12, he says, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. You want to change the world? You want to make an impact? Love your family and then love the place where you've been planted. Love those neighbors, the ones in the apartment right next to you, the ones uh, right across the street from you in that condo, the one living in your next door neighbor. Like, these are the neighbors I'm talking about. What would it look like if we planted in place? We all want to make an impact on the world, don't we? Yeah, we want to change the world. What would it look like if we went home and loved our family and loved our neighbors? 
Our greatest place of impact will be in the place in which we plant. But we gotta love them. Love is the key. You know, we have no authority over that which we do not love. We have no authority over that which we do not love. If you don't love the place that you've been planted, you'll never see an impact. Think about it, what grieves you? Do you, do you stand in your place, this God-forsaken place? There's no God-forsaken places on the planet. Let me tell you, these are God's places that he wants to redeem through you and through me. We are the answer that the world is so longing for. We are the places of greatest impact in the world because Holy Spirit lives in us, Jesus lives in us, and when we move into the neighborhood, Jesus has moved into the neighborhood. And Jesus can't be somewhere where things remain unchanged. It doesn't work that way. And so we are gonna choose to live in partnership with the Father where we have been planted. The things that grieve you, you tired of the crime? Man, you tired of the school district? What if you are the answer? What if you're supposed to get your CDL and drive the school bus? That's been my biggest concern this year, buses, right? Maybe it's me, maybe not. I don't, the mower thing, I don't know if that would be good, but. <laughs> but what if our greatest place of impact has, is in the place that we plant and we choose to partner with God every single day. I believe your life will be radically transformed and I believe the place in which you're planted will be transformed. But there's nothing like a good action step to end our time together. So here's what I want you to do. You cannot make an impact with people unless you, you know the people. And so I actually want you to go to your physical neighbors this week. The weather's gonna be nicer than it's been-ish. I want you to knock on the door. I want you to say, hi, I'm Leah. I live right over here. Get to know their name, get to know their story. You might be the very thing that they've been waiting for. Again, the American man is so lonely. What if your friendship changed their entire life? What a gift, what a gift to the world. What an impact you can have if you choose to stay planted in place. What an opportunity. Get to know these people and then plan something that you can do together to really facilitate friendship. Do a cookout. People love food, right? You throw food out, people just come running. Find a way to create places of connection. This is how you will have an impact in your world. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me as I pray over you? Holy Spirit, I love that you have given us a place. You didn't send us to roam the earth. You didn't send us from place to place to place. You planted us with a clear purpose and oh, what an opportunity to change the world. So I thank you, Father, that we get to live in partnership with you. I thank you for the impact that comes from partnering with you in so many different ways. And I thank you, it's not even just in the place we are, but as it'll unpack in the next couple weeks, it comes in so many different shapes and forms. But Father, I love you. Thank you for choosing us. Thank you for releasing impact into our world because you love to give us meaningful work to do. God, we love you and we can't wait to worship you. It's in your name we pray, amen. <laughs>